0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show, the Scheme talks podcast on the internet. Today's Monday, June the 28th, 2021. Today's show, we continue along with the 2021 opponent preview series, guys. Today, we are breaking down... The Auburn Tigers, as they make their return trip to Williams-Brice Stadium, November the 20th, guys, I'll break down Auburn in their entirety. First things first, we'll talk about their brand new head football coach, how they fared a season ago, best returning players on offense and defense, as well as give the overall outlook for Auburn football in 2021, as well as the matchup against the Gamecocks as South Carolina looks to make it two straight wins against the Auburn Tigers. Also, guys, Shane Beamer is going crazy on the recruiting trail with eight welcome home tweets. Guys, I'll talk about the commitments and the recruiting momentum. We're talking Karan Prutney, Kyla Corton, Casein Henry, Anthony Rose, all the commits and more, guys, as Shane Beamer continues to absolutely crush it in his first preseason in Columbia. Also, guys, we have your listener questions and a fantastic conversation A fantastic interview is former Gamecocks baseball player and national champion Jake Williams stopped by the studio to talk Carolina baseball with me and his new film called Breaking the Curse depicting one of the greatest eras in college baseball history guys a fantastic combo a great show here on a Monday it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging, special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys, so a Gamecock owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website UpstateMoversGroup.com. That's UpstateMoversGroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. boys and girls happy monday hope you're all doing well i'm chris Phillips. shows the spurs up show as always appreciate you guys doing it and i will tell you this i'll lead off the show this way on a monday for someone who just spent pretty much the entire weekend partying with steven garcia i feel much better than i probably deserve we'll, we'll put it that way i, I partied with steven garcia and I'm living to tell the tale to all of you, but I won't go into much more detail than that. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in here to Money Guys. Thank you all so much. Very excited. Very fired. Of course, I'm talking to you guys recording this here on a Sunday afternoon. And Shane Beamer just continues to crush it, continues to kill I, Like, the blood is just pulsating through my veins right now. An incredible show got lined up, guys. Again, thank you all. So much for tuning in. I appreciate all your love and support here on this Monday, June the 28th, 2021, as we sit now just 68 days away from kickoff. I'm telling you, folks, these next 68, they're going to fly by. So, hey, whether you're at the beach, hey, maybe you're on the commute right now, you're in the office, you're on the job, but if you're on vacation, you're enjoying the water, you're enjoying a cold beverage, whatever it may be, enjoy it. Enjoy these next 68 days. Enjoy the summer because, hey, It's going to fly by. Guess what, guys? Next week is July, fourth week. We're taking off. The following week, I am dropping my official game-by-game season predictions for South Carolina's 2021 football season. And from there, we're off and running. The next week's SEC media days. Then we'll have fall camp in a few weeks. And, guys, before you know it, September 4th and kickoff is going to be here. But, again, appreciate you all tuning in, guys. Before we get to that, hey, we're continuing along with a 2021 opponent preview series, and this is the last week. We're doing the 2021 Opponent Preview Series as we break down the Auburn Tigers. Again, guys, before we get into that, thank you all so much, tuning in. I appreciate the love, support, man. You guys continue to rock with everything we do. Hey, you guys continue to rock with the merch as well, man. Appreciate y'all. Hey, get your Beamer Ball. Get your Shame Beamer merch. Get your football merch before the season gets here, man. Beamer Ball is freaking taking over. For those, hey. I'm always shocked at people that do not realize we even have a store T S U S dot store T S U S dot store. That is the link for it. But again, guys, thank you all so much, man. We had some orders come through over the weekend. I just want to say, thank you all, man. I appreciate the love and support. And again, you guys continue to rock what we do. And I truly, truly genuinely appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and rock with it guys. The opponent preview, the Auburn Tigers, the Tigers visit Williams, Bryce stadium Saturday with the 20th, uh, in a rematch of last year's game, the Gamecocks, of course, getting that win 30-22 to in a big-time upset. The all-time series record, Auburn leads it 10-2-1, guys. If you remember, the win last year, that was the first time South Carolina beat Auburn since 1933. So the Gamecocks had been due for a win over Auburn. And it's weird because South of played Auburn literally last year at home, and now Auburn comes back to Willie B., comes back to Columbia, for a rematch. And my, oh, my, the amount of storylines that surround this one, and we'll get into those in just a little bit. But again, guys, like I said last year, South of won it 30-22. to 22. Auburn leads the all-time series, 10-2-1. Two, the 2020 record for the Auburn Tigers, 6-5 and five overall, 6-4 and four in the conference. We will dive into that in just a little bit. The lead storyline, though, and the lead topic, let's talk about the head coach for Auburn, Brian Harson first year head coach coming from Boise State how will Brian Harson fare in his first year what's crazy guys is this 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 just tells you the expectations of Auburn football Gus Malzahn got fired at Auburn he did not have a single losing season so hey Brian Harson welcome oh, by the way your rival is Nick Saban so good luck with that but again their first year head coach Brian Harson they're excited for him what can he do in year 1 on the Plains, guys, how did they fare a season ago? Let's talk about that really quickly. Break down their 2020 season. And Auburn was a team, guys, if you remember correctly. If you remember last year, when I talked about South Carolina's schedule and I talked about the Auburn game, I said in the preseason, you know, Auburn just wasn't a team that really scared me. And I think their on-field results sort of reflected that. Like, they were a good team. They were a quality team. Not a great team by any means. They opened up their season in a big game against Kentucky, by the way. Beat Kentucky 29 to 13. They then lost the next week to Georgia 27 to 6. And a lot of their problems last year were because of Bo Nix and him underachieving, if you will, compared to expectations, right? There were very high expectations from a year ago. And uh, I-, I-, I think it's fair to say he did not meet those expectations, but lost to Georgia in week two, beat Arkansas, then lost to South Carolina, of course, 30 to 22 in that week four matchup. Uh, reeled off a three-game winning streak, beating Ole Miss, LSU, and Tennessee. They beat the brakes off LSU, by the way, forty-eight to eleven. Then lost to Alabama, forty-two to thirteen. Lost to Texas A&M, thirty-one to twenty. Beat Mississippi State in their season finale, twenty-four to ten. And then lost in their bowl game, the Citrus Bowl, to Northwestern in really embarrassing fashion, thirty-five. To nineteen, so a little bit of a rough year for Auburn, but uh, you know they're high. They bring back a lot. Sixteen total starters on this team. They bring back Bo Nix, their quarterback. They bring back Tank Bigsby, a running back, and we're going to talk about him more in just a second. Hey, let's do it right now. Why not? Best returning players on both offense and defense. Let's break those guys down, guys. And again, when you talk offense, and I, I know South Carolina fans get tired of hearing this name, and I think there's still some salt in Gamecock fans. Wounds, if you will, because Tank Bigsby did not choose Carolina. Um, also, because he gets all the love and praise, and Kevin Harris, we feel like it's disrespected. But to be fair, when you talk about Auburn, the best returning player on offense, no question. Some people's minds, some people, not me, but some people, the best running back in the SEC, or one of them, we'll say that, one of the best running backs, running back Tank Bigsby, by far, in my opinion, the best returning player on the Tigers offense. 138 carries a year ago. 834 yards, five touchdowns. This is a guy, hey, there's a reason South Carolina, if you guys remember, we wanted him real bad. There's a reason everybody wanted this guy really badly. Running back tank Bigsby is truly that dude, a game-changing type of back. Best of player on defense, linebacker Sokobe McLean. Guys, 113 tackles a year ago, led the SEC in tackles last season in just 11 games, by the way. Five and a half tackles for loss and three sacks for Zacobi, really good player in the middle for them. Kind of reminds me again of that Ernest Jones, that leader, the heart and soul of that defense, a defense that returns seven total starters. They've got good players sprinkled all over all over, but Zacobi McClain is really the guy that makes this thing go. All right, let's talk overall outlook for Auburn, man. The 2021 schedule, let's dive into that first. They open up with Akron at home, Alabama State at home. So a favorable start, but then at Penn State, in the non-conference, a really tricky game, a really tough game in week three. They then got Georgia State at home. Then they get an SEC slate at LSU, Georgia, at Arkansas, Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, Mississippi State, at South Carolina, November the 20th, and then Alabama to close out their 2021 season. And of course, guys, the question revolves around this for Auburn. Same as South Carolina. A first-year head coach as the Brian Harson era begins in Auburn, Alabama. And a lot of his success will come back to this question, though. Can Bo Nix take the next step? Can he be that guy? Because behind Bo Nix, you know, I really don't know. Grant Loy, I guess they have a senior, but they don't really have anybody behind Bo Nix. They will go as far as Bo Nix takes them. And I just, you know what kills me, guys, about Auburn is like, they have crazy high expectations, which they should. They've won a national title before, but can you imagine? I guess we can imagine. We have this exact predicament. But your rival, your in-conference rival, being Nick Saban in Alabama and the success they're having. And you know that the success they have really drives a lot of the decisions that Auburn makes. How how can it not, right? But can Bo Nix take the next step? Because you know what? They'll go as far as Bo Nix takes them. Here's a fun storyline for this game going into it, by the way. Tank Bigsby, right? Everybody loves to talk about Tank Bigsby, how good he is. Don't forget about Kevin Harris, by the way, the best running back in the sec the best one in the sec guys we will fight you till the end on that seeing those two guys go against each other also really interesting stuff for auburn Derek mason the old vandy coach is now the defensive coordinator in auburn how does that defense go against 16 returning starters guys nine on offense seven on defense and when you look at this game against the gamecocks and south kind perspective on this game i i know south kind fans are going to jump to, which it's kind of crazy how much we dislike Mike Bobo and how much some people dare I say hate Mike Bobo. Like it really is wild. Um, and listen, I, I'm not a Mike Bobo fan. I'm not a Mike Bobo supporter, empathizer, if you will, but our fans really, really hate Auburn. And they really, really want to see us beat Auburn. And I will say this, Auburn's done some things, man, with like trying to steal welcome home and some of the stuff they're doing. It's absolutely crazy to see it. You know, I kind of view this game the same way I viewed last year's game against Auburn. You know, it's, it's a huge opportunity. Will Auburn be favored? Sure. But when you look at Auburn and year one of Brian Harson and year one of Shane Beamer for South Carolina, I think it is a huge opportunity you know, opportunity for a statement type of game. And you know, how much, you know, all week long, of course, the storylines and the hype will be about, you know, Mike Bobo and to hell with him and getting our revenge and this and that. But when South Carolina takes the field against Auburn, all that will go to the wayside. Hey, maybe that maybe that'll be played up during the week and that revenge factor and and the players will have that emotion and all that, but that'll go to the wayside once South Carolina takes the field and has to line up against Auburn. Can the Gamecocks do what they did a season ago? Can they get after Bo Nix? Remember what I said, guys, last year. I said, hey, if you can get in Bo Nix's face, he'll give you two or three. He'll make throws in a tight coverage. And guess what? He did exactly that. Of course, the J.C. Horn game a year ago and J.C. breaking out, getting a couple picks, whatever. Can you do that yet again with your defensive line? I, I feel good about the matchup overall um, when you look at this game. And again, the storylines will be all over the place. The matchup against, hey, two of the best running backs in college football going head-to-head. At this point in the season as well, hey, just like I talked about the Mizzou game, this might be the game you need for your sixth win because we all know what looms the next week. We all know what South gonna has to face at home the following weekend, and I won't even mention them until Thursday's show. But we all know what's looming. You like to go, you have to go into that one. If you're gonna get the six, you got to go into that one with your sixth win already notch. Is it Mizzou? Is it Auburn? What week does it come? So plenty of storylines in this one, man, as far as Mike Bobo and, and just it's it's kind of interesting, man. This is one I think Gamecock fans should really enjoy, man. And the reason I say that is because we don't get to play Auburn a lot. You know, we we don't play Auburn very, very often. Um, so Gamecock fans savor this one, enjoy this one. Again, I think it's a great Western, um, Western opponent in a sense where, again, it's a unique matchup, but also, you know, it's a matchup. I think South Carolina can win, you know, and and in Shane Beamer's first season, you're going to be looking for that, that signature win, if you will, that win where you can sort of hang your hat on it. And both these coaches, both these coaches looking for that. Now, would it be more of a signature win for South Carolina than Auburn? Yeah, maybe so. But again, at home, what does South Carolina also, here's a big storyline for me, what do the Gamecocks look like at this time of the season? Because, hey, late in the year, you know, are you beat up? Are you battered? Are you bruised? We know depth is is an issue, but certainly emotions will be flying high. I think this one outside of Clemson is probably the game that Gamecock fans want the most, honestly. I mean, listen, I, I, I don't have quite as much Uh, vitriol and hate and distaste for Mike Bobo. I certainly don't like him, but Gamecock fans want this one. And South Gunn is going to want this one. Say, hey, this might be the game to get you to seven wins. Who knows? Maybe eight. God forbid. I'm talking crazy here in the preseason. But but either way, a really cool cross-divisional matchup, and the Gamecocks will look to make it two straight wins against the Auburn Tigers. Guys, that's our breakdown of Auburn. Last 2021 opponent preview will come on Thursday as I talk that team from the upstate. So you know it's going to be a fun show, guys, as I break them down and break down that game, break down that matchup and everything else. But again, Gamecocks taking on the Auburn Tigers November the 20th at Williams-Brice Stadium in what should be a really, really, really interesting, uh, fun, <laughs> emotional, heated, chippy matchup. All the adjectives you can think of to describe this game, they'll probably fit it. So again, going to be a fun one Is Auburn looks to begin the Brian Harson note on a positive, and the Gamecocks look to begin the Shane Beamer note on their own positive, if you will. All right, let's get off the 2021 opponent preview series, guys, and let's talk recruiting really quickly. Really quickly, let's talk recruiting. Shane Beamer's crushing. I mean, it's literally getting hard to keep up with the welcome home tweets at this point. I think there's been eight. And the guys we know right now, defensive back Karan Pruty, the big one, the transfer All-American from Kansas, wide receiver Kyla Corton, offensive lineman Caseen Henry, and defensive back Anthony Rose recommitting to South Carolina. Listen, I I could go guy by guy and break these dudes down and and, and sort of the attributes they bring. Again, Prutney's obviously the headliner. He's the big one. He's going to be a guy that plays for South Carolina immediately. I think he's an immediate starter. He's an immediate impact guy. Man, does this help out the back half of South Carolina's defense? I mean, this this literally might change the defense. It's one of those type of pickups that, Uh, is going to be a huge impact guy for you. Again, immediately, like I said, Kyla Corton, a three-star wide receiver, six-foot-three, high projectability. They love his frame. They love his body. They love his speed. Really good player. Offensive lineman, Cason Henry, another really good one. Defensive back, Anthony Rose, who was committed prior and just recommitted to the new staff. You love that. Four-star defensive back, a big, big, big big-time prospect for South Carolina guys again. I'll summarize it in this way because I don't even know where to begin, the Beamer momentum, Beamer ball, the momentum, guys, what's going on right now, the overall feel and vibe around campus and vibe around Columbia. and I mean, it, it, this is just the beginning. It, it's just the beginning. This isn't the end. This is the beginning, guys. It, it, it is only going to get crazier. It's only going to get more electric. It's only going to get more fun. So, hey, if you're not a board, if you're not aboard, get your ass on board with the Shane train, because things are rocking, things are rolling. Again, I love all the commitments, all the pickups we got, guys. And like I said, getting Prutney from Kansas, man, that's that's a huge one. That's a big one, man. A a guy that, like I said, you're a freshman All-American at Kansas. You're a legit big-time player, man, for sure. He's going to be an immediate impact guy for you. And, you know, I, I don't want people to get lost in the star rankings and stuff like that. I and mean, I'm just happy we're going to have a full, legitimate class yet again. I, thank God, after last year, we're going to have a full, legit class. And, uh, you know, I, I think South can as well on their way to be back to a top 25 class in recruiting, there's no question. We talked about that before. That's where South kind of belongs. They've always been able to recruit at that clip, no matter what was going on with the program, no matter what the on-field results were. Were so again, you get Rose back. That's a really big one. I heard a couple of weeks ago he was going to recommit to you. That's a really, really big one. Again, Casey Henry, I love the job Greg Atkins is doing and the way the offensive line class is shaping up. Got some big ones probably coming this week and over the next couple of weeks as well. And then Kyla Courton, like I said, man, you love those big body wide receivers. And the way that we're able to develop wide receivers, the way we're able to get the most out of those guys, I feel really confident. In. But again, Karan Prutney, the headliner of today's show, or at least the headliner of the recruiting talk, if you will. Um, what Shane Beamer is doing on the recruiting trail, man, I I think what you're seeing is positive energy spreads, man. It's infectious. People feel it. They vibe with it. They rock with it. And, uh, you know, you're seeing kids pull the trigger, man. It's a huge time of year for South Carolina, and you absolutely love to see it, man. I, I'm fired up for it. I'm fired up. Shane Beamer's got me li- literally like lost for words, man. You you can't even keep it. Hey, that's only four guys. There's four others. We don't even know who they are right now. They're silent commitments. I mean, Shane Beamer absolutely crushing it, filling out the class. Hell, he might have the class filled out by the time the show comes out. That's how much work he's putting in. Um, but huge, huge. Beamer ball, man, all aboard the Shane train. If you're not aboard, Again, what the hell are you doing? All right, let's dive, dive into your listener questions. Then we have a great conversation with Jake Williams, guys. Really quickly, Brian underscore Mar- Martyr. Best 2022 recruit, Brian says. Brian, I'll tell you this. The best 2022 recruit, commitment, they're all great. Braden Davis is obviously the headliner, man. When you have your quarterback, that's the thing. But I think the best recruit will get I don't think he's committed yet. And I'll just leave it at that. Austin G underscore 45. Auburn isn't as talented as Florida, but this feels like a statement win kind of game. I agree. Listen, man, I agree. No, it's certainly, again, you're going to be in Shane Beamer's first season looking for that game that you can really hang your hat on. You're going to be looking for that statement type of win. You're going to be looking for that game. You can win and then go sell on the recruiting chair, right? Like, Hey, look at this. This shows progress. This shows how close we are. Why not us? Why not come here? Um, you know, Maybe Auburn can be that game, honestly. Maybe that, that can be the game for you. Maybe it's Florida, whatever it may be. But I certainly think Auburn presents a really, really nice opportunity for you. Again, at home, we know the emotions that will be flying. Um, hey, why not? Why not the Auburn game? I, I think it sets up really, really well for South Carolina. Edwards, 7 thoughts on Beamer's early recruiting success? Again, you love it. You love it. I'm not surprised at all, man. Beamer was a master recruiter in Columbia. Um, you know, is, is anybody shocked? Is anybody shocked? I, I think Shane Beamer's a guy has a great attitude. He's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. And he works his tail off. And you're seeing it pay off for him really early. Um, Mike Edwards again. What kind of impact do you think Pruttony will have? I think he's a day-one starter. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not, dude. Fresh and All-American on a defense that needs defensive backs, that needs difference makers in the secondary. I'd be pretty damn surprised if he's not a day-one starter for South Carolina. Uh Rocco Rocco Fokker Smith. Nice, nice, uh, nice handle. Who's someone you think will get that no one else does? I think Oster, Oscar Delp's a game cock. I think Oscar Delp's a Gamecock. Krusty Andy, last question. No questions. Fuck Auburn, fuck Bobo, and go Cox. Hey, are you surprised I read your question? No, I, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. That's gonna be a hell of a game, bro. The 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 atmosphere, the emotion. I I can't wait. I I can't wait. It's going to be absolutely electric you know what else is electric our conversation today guys let's get into that jake williams former south kind baseball player played in 2011 college world series national champion and also the man behind breaking the curse which is a film that'll drop soon about the gamecocks back-to-back national titles guys before we get into that the interview is brought to you by our friends over of course at manscaped guys Summer's here. Are you ready to unveil your beach pod? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer, Bob, with the trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, Phyllis. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for a hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. We actually got a new promo code, by the way. We got a new promo code because, hey, guess what, guys? I appreciate your love and support because Manscaped just re-upped with the Spurs Up show. But again, the promo code that we had before, T-S-U-S, was deactivated because it actually got spread to some spam website or, hey, I think it just got used so much they got tired of it. The new promo code is TSUS. 20. So the same thing, but 20 at the end. TSUS 20. Go to manscaped.com, 20% off free shipping. TSUS 20. And again, guys, we've all been there, right? We're trimming, we're cutting, we nick ourselves, we're bleeding, it burns, it stings. It's the worst. Guys, it's time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball, deodorant crop provider toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. To hold your goodies, guys. First off, the new performance package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is insane. And dare I say, the GOAT of ball trimmers. Yeah, I said it the GOAT. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents th- thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And the Lawnmower 4.0 is a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multi function on off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise. Shade. Guys, did I mention this trimmer is also waterproof in the shower in the wild and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball throw? The Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Guys, want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Guys, the Weed Whacker is also waterproof. Uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Man, that is a mouthful. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Guys, seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations before heading outside. Use crop preserver ball deodorant to keep your game in the heat. Then, after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat, give your beach balls a boost and use crop. rubber guys, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag, which I swear by, guys. Again, bring your comfort in boxers to another level. Again, guys, get 20% off and free shipping with promo code TSUS. 20 at manscape.com again that's 20% off and free shipping with promo code TSUS20 at manscape.com guys escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with manscape guys appreciate you all tuning in enjoy this conversation enjoy this interview with former gamecocks baseball player and national champion Jake Williams All right, joining us on the Spurs Up show, very excited. You know, it's not every day you get to sit down with a national champion. And, of course, on today specifically, 10 years, man, it's a long time. He played it's outfield with the Gamecocks in 2011, hit two two homers with 38 RBIs. Again, he's a national champion and also director, producer, do-it-all, the man behind the Breaking the Curse film, which details – I mean, the greatest run probably in college baseball history. And he's Jake Williams. Jake, thank you so much for coming by the studio, my man. He's got the rings. He's got the jersey. Show the camera. Everything. Got the bling bling in the stew. <laughs> Very excited again, man. Ten years. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, right? It's, it's strange, it's man. crazy. The ten-year anniversary. But, again, appreciate you taking the time, Jake. Thank you for coming by the studio. It's I'm honor, really man. excited to chat with you. Not just yourself, kind on of a career. Because, again, I want to go back to the beginning. Like you were mentioned off-air, you played. At uh, at Riverside, you're from Greer, South Carolina, play with guys like Michael Roth and some others. And I was just looking up the high school stuff. You guys went 97 and 18 in your four years, ranked like best baseball team in the country in high school and, and everything else. But you started your career at Wofford, 08, 09. I think you, what, sat out the 10-year and then played 11 at Carolina. Just talk That's about right. your baseball career to that point, high school. Obviously, we all know that the recruiting in baseball just starts so, so early for, right. for high school kids. but what was the recruiting process like for you again, being a South Carolina guy and, and what landed you at, uh, at Wofford for your first stop?
2: Yeah, man, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I grew up in the state, South Carolina, playing ball. So, And I, I grew up in Greenville, which was kind of dead in the middle of Clemson and Carolina. So, you know, a normal sentiment for a kid growing up is they want to play baseball. Clemson or Carolina. (laughs) Uh, Mostly it's Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was kind of a dream a lot of us had. And so believe it or not, USC was the first school to ever recruit me at 15 years old. So sophomore in high school, I got the letter and it was, you know, how, how good that feels. Then Um, I unfortunately got, had two major injuries in high school, two hamstrings, one, one year, one the next. (laughs) And then all the big schools are like, we'll see you later. (laughs) So yeah, uh, that was tough. Um, I and I I remained playing on one of them because we were on a state championship run. Mm-hmm. So we so I kept playing and kind of hurt it a little worse. And so so I ended up at Wafford, um, which was actually meant to be. And by the way, at Riverside, we the, the numbers were there, man. We ended up my <laughs> um, my freshman year um at Riverside, we had nine guys go D one on mm-hmm. one team. Wow. <laughs> and that year we were preseason number one in the nation. The hype was real. <laughs> Out of every high school, we were preseason number one in the nation the um, and real, ended real. up fourth. So I was always on like teams that knew how to play and knew yeah. how to win. Um, so I ended up at Wofford though um, and had a great experience Was a freshman All-American, um, had a really solid sophomore year as well. Um, and for me, I they didn't have what I wanted to study. Mm. We It wasn't a winning program either. Um, mm. And I was actually fortunate enough to be able to try my try my hand and and go and try to find another place to play uh which turned out to be the right move um so i left school and nearly nearly had a waiver to play um which was tough because you know i'd have been competing for a you know and on the 2010 squad as well so it was an amazing bittersweet time for me to Mm. to be on the team um and and it's crazy because you do every single thing with the team right, until right. the season starts. Then you're like shunned from the team. And the <laughs> NCAA is like, you literally can't even eat a meal with these guys anymore. <laughs> and So it's like, um, OK, so I, you know, so I had to sit back and watch that all happen. Um, and while it was amazing and great, uh, you know, I remember I went to summer ball when they go to the, when they went to Omaha and down the World Series run. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, OK, you know they're going to live their dream I should be there but I'm not you know so I, I remember being on my summer ball squad and watching you know me and my new team watching on ESPN and they just giving me crap for like man like <laughs> that could be why you. Are you sitting here next to me you know like yeah so it was tough it was tough to yeah. you know and, and Logan Munson was the other one yeah, yeah, yeah. that shared mm-hmm. that he came from UNC so yeah, we yeah. both were like stuck in this weird spot of like this is great, but not really, you know, so. so I, think,
1: I think Munson played at AC Flora, right? Yeah, that's right. Like, so AC we were, Flora, and that yeah. was our high school yeah, yeah. arrival. Okay. Yeah, Riverside High We played, school I think it was 07 or I think 08, we played in the uh, the Flora Classic or whatever. Yep. Okay. I, I played yeah. for North Augusta. Okay, cool. So, okay, perfect. Yeah. So, we had a so we were couple all of the run-ins. same age range. Yeah, 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 For sure. A couple man. of run-ins. For sure. I love that. I'm curious to hear more man, again about the whole, the Wofford experience and the transferring thing, because, yeah. you know, now, the transfer portal is just cha- you know everybody transfers like mm-hmm. it just seems like they do right and mm-hmm. but i feel like you transferred before transferring was cool if you, if you do <laughs> like totally I, and i know you talked a little bit off air obviously you went there and kind of similar we had a similar college experience in the sense of a coaching change and just how right. that kind of throws everything for for a loop i mean when did the idea i guess or the decision when did that kind of when did you start thinking about the whole transferring thing and how did south of, i guess come back in the picture did you have a lot of contact and conversation with Tanner and, and Monty Lee, I guess, and Chad Holbrook. Like, I'm just curious, like how did that all come about where necessarily where you ended up in Columbia?
2: Yeah. And I was, I'm unique. And cause just as you said it, it was before transferring was cool. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. and I remember actually the way it worked out for me was this was when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. So like they had changed the rules a couple times and they were trying this and that. I remember the Steph Curry's brother at Duke basketball they had won the year before and then they decided to change all these rules on them because they had transfers and whatever it was specifically. I don't remember, but I remember that hurt me because mm-hmm. uh, then they changed the rule. And so I left school and I, I nearly got a transfer to play for academic reasons. So I said, I, which was true. I left mm-hmm. for academic right. reasons. Um, unfortunately, I did not get that waiver. So at that time when you were D1 to D1, yeah. you had to sit. Yeah. Um, now, weirdly for me at Wofford, like I said, I had a good, I had really good two years there. Um, After my freshman year um, I started to feel like I didn't want to be there anymore, but I had such a good kinship with the teammates. um, I was close to home. I had some things positively still going. So I I held out another year thought, let's give this one more try. Um, And then things got worse for me. I fell into a depression actually at that Mm -hmm. time too. Um, Didn't vibe with the coach was still playing good ball, but I was also studying things I wasn't even wanting to study. So I was like, I got to get out of here for a lot of reasons and was actually fortunate to do so. The problem with that though, was if I wanted to still play, I couldn't tell anybody I was going to leave. So if my coach found out I was going to leave, he was obviously not going to play me. So, so it became this weird, like almost like living a lie type thing. My sophomore season at Wofford to where I, I still hit three fifty (laughs) and eight bombs, but I, Had to, you know, I couldn't even tell my roommate I was leaving, you know, because in case it got out there. So it was hard. It was a hard situation. So then after the season, it it was a very strange thing, too, because then you only had like two months to try to find somewhere to play. Right. So all you have is a couple couple months during the summer. Um, So then I just basically what I did was I put myself out there and just started emailing coaches all over again me so it was like this weird thing of like hey I'm trying to leave school do you like what I can do you know or whatever and fortunately i had had a couple really good games against USC um and we whipped them actually our second year which was funny. <laughs> I remember that yeah, like real yeah. bad yeah. and um <laughs> so I and I was like 3 for 4 and um so I you know I, I showed out again I, I was freshman all-American so I had the numbers to to allow me to probably go play somewhere else but it was a bizarre thing so i i got i went on a uh and i remember i didn't even want to go to clemson because when i hurt myself in college mm. every other school was at least um cordial to me right. and said hey we hate it man you know sorry clemson was most heavily recruiting me so much so they were literally taking me to duke basketball games and like this mm. and that and then when i got hurt they just not another word from them ever again <laughs> old Jack Leggett. See you later. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I I put myself out to like Florida, Coastal, a few other schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And strangely, I remember I went on a visit, an official visit to uh, Coastal Mm -hmm. and the head coach didn't even come to meet me while I was there. Not even didn't even come say hi. Like that's the the, there's a story of wit when I interviewed him for the film. And he talks about how he went on official visit to Clemson and Mm -hmm. Leggett didn't even know his name when he got there. And you're like, dude, you're about to sign uh, me. You don't even know my name. <laughs> like, uh, okay. And so, anywho, I... Uh, Worked I out well for us. I ditched out from Coastal. Yeah. Tanner, you get here, though, and everyone's story is the same. Right. Tanner, he takes you in his car. He drives you around himself. He's talking to your family. He's telling you this is that. Here's the stadium. It's this whole different scenario. So, quickly, I you know. and by the way, it was this was the first school that I ever got recruited from, I had my good friends here, Roth, Wingo, a few others that yeah. I I felt like I was meant to be here right, right. anyways. So worked out perfectly, was able to get here, um, but then
1: had to sit. Right, right. Right. So for sure that 10 season, yeah. I, you, you talk about Ray Tanner, obviously the, the the legend that he is. And again, we, we had some, some convo off air, if you will. And I mean, it's, it's very well-documented at this point, I and mean, I've had so many former Carolina baseball players, which, you know, is a blessing to have them on the airwaves and everybody has sort of a, a different experience with, with Tanner, you know, like Morales, I had him a couple of weeks ago and he's kind of a similar story where it's like, you know, it, it's just a very interesting dynamic. Like when, when, when you get on campus and he's recruiting you and everything else, but like your personal experience with Ray Tanner, I mean, again, you can go as in-depth as you like, but obviously a guy that, you know, I, I think like many of the greats, man, like Garrido, um, Mike Martin, at Florida state, you know, the way Tanner did things and does things and you look at Corbin and, and others, man, they, they all have kind of their, the way they operate and, um, but he gets the most out of his players and it obviously worked and his track record at, at South Carolina, I mean, the, the wins and the college world series appearances and obviously the, the rings, man, it speaks for for itself, but you know, your, your interactions with Ray was he, what you expected? I mean, was he different? Was he like, what was that like for you? Yeah,
2: that's a, that's a lovely question. So, um, <laughs> I think Ray Tanner in the, in the style of coach that he was, is sort of like a dying breed almost mm-hmm. like, you know they probably don't exist much anymore of that, like old school hard knock, like knows the game Mm. just by his presence alone. He demands that respect. Mm. It's just weird. It's almost like a father figure type thing that of like, you know, your dad never has to hit you because he already has the respect. You know, it's like some, one of those weird things. Like, it's like, he just has this presence. Um, And before the championships, he was already one of the greats. So Mm. like, yeah, so you know, I I had a bunch of friends that had been playing at USC before I got here, and of course I heard all the same Tanner stories. You know, it's going to be pretty hardcore when you get here. He's an old school cat, tough you know? sob. He's man. a tough, he's a tough dude. But he, as you <laughs> said, he he gets the best out of his guys. Um, and funny enough, is a, a bunch of my teammates would say that that they that he knew how specifically to speak to him, mm. as opposed to him, as opposed to him. He knew that he could take getting right. screamed at while. He knew maybe this dude needed a little more extra love right. or whatever um and the you know so ray tanner now he, he's actually my main partner in this film yeah. so he wants so we're so we're making a documentary style 30 for 30 style film on these championship teams really trying to go into them um and you know for me it started with i just had all this amazing cell phone footage from these teams right. so bus rides locker rooms hotel rooms i snuck tanner's speech after the 11 championship on my hip so i have his literally his whole post-game speech um, on camera and so i had all this really cool stuff that i was like man something should be done with this Mm. um like yourself i was a communications major in school so i always wanted to be into storytelling anyways so i I approached the university a couple years about four years ago now um, and i said hey this is my idea let's do this and basically ray said here's some money i'm gonna help you raise some money do it Mm -hmm. And so he's been my main supporter and main partner in this. Um, So it's been a beautiful thing. Like he wants to get this story told and to, you know, bring this back for Carolina people to relive it. Um, And so now Tanner, you know, with that all being said, he and I have a very interesting relationship. (laughs) Um, As I, you know, as I said, I've known him since I was 15. Now I'm 31, you know, 15 years plus Mm -hmm. I've known this guy and been very close to him. Um, and our, our, our relationships evolved in a very mm. s- lovely and strange way over the years since, especially working together on this film. Um, but here's what I'll say about Ray is there was an evolution to Ray. That I like to say it this way, like like I said, Ray was already he was going to go down as one of the right. greats before for these championships. And in those years, he was that stick stickler old school like one and done if you're in trouble you're gone I don't see this any other way um, kind of thing the years I was there and around that time um, we all experienced this evolution of Ray Tanner and saw him sort of soften in some ways but not to where he wasn't still getting the best out of his players but he allowed them to sort of be themselves Mm -hmm. and he allowed sort of you know these two teams 10 and 11 were just wild (laughs) wild teams (laughs) <laughs> and he allowed that. I mean he and there wasn't necessarily I don't know if he would allow that in older days. Right. Um but you know and and I've talked to Steve Pierce and a few right. other guys from those old days and they and they all got Tanner stories to where you're right. like, "Dang." Right. But but you know, I have a funny one where um you know, we were doing uh base running drills mm. and we're at second base and they're hitting um they're hitting, you know, to the shortstop. So you have to decide if you're going to third or you're running back to second, right? Mm. So you're, you're the base runner. And, uh, (laughs) so, um, and this was like, before I was playing at all, this is like, I'm brand new on the team. This was like, you know, I'm, I'm like one of my first practices, I think, if I even recall. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'm on second base and the outfielders are, you know, we're doing these running drills and they, they hit a ball to, uh, (laughs) to second base uh, to the shortstop. And I remember I went back and, uh, and Ray calls, he stops all practice. He, He goes, well, you, you didn't think you could have made it a third, you know, something like that. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know coach maybe. And he stops me right there and he goes, Oh, well maybe you'll play this year. Maybe you won't play this year. (laughs) You know? And you're just like, Oh, like, Oh, like,
1: you know, everybody front of
2: everyone. And you're just like, kind of like, okay. You know, but it's, you know, he, then he can bring you back up in these wonderful ways. And he, you know, then so all of us have these, funny stories of how he was so hard on us but it did allow us to kind of find our our strength and so when i so like i like like to say and i'll wrap it there is um when his evolution as a man directly follows the school's evolution and championships Mm. it's pretty incredible
1: yeah it's awesome well you did play by the way 2011 again you played a lot before we get into the the Florida series, the national title, all that. I I do want to talk about, man, the rivalry because you had a, my, my first memory of you, believe it or not, was again, I played at Newberry, but I think we were like off that week is when you guys played Clemson and Greenville, I remember specifically going to that game. This is when it was still playing in the midweek. It wasn't like the, Mm -hmm. I think the, the weekend series like just started, but I think this was like a Tuesday or something, but you launched a bomb over the, uh, the green monster in left field. Also had a couple RBI and the other win. I think Talk about again. I feel like that's where kind of Jake Williams was. you Carolina fans truly got their first like taste of who is this guy, big number forty launching launching Mamos. Uh <laughs> What what was uh I mean playing in that rivalry, man? The best rivalry in all college baseball. You know, we talk about it over and over. And obviously, what Southcon had done to Clemson in twenty ten in Omaha, and that that was sort of the beginning of you know because Gamecock fans. It's it's funny how like that stuff gets forgotten because you won the title. It's like who forget right. in twenty ten like we lost the regular season series to him, and yeah. then rebounded to you know beat him in Omaha from there you guys just owned him I think it was just like a mental midget just just (laughs) taking advantage of him but uh having an impact in that rivalry playing in that rivalry like what was that like for you getting the best rivalry in college baseball
2: yeah I think probably most people would agree with that best college rivalry um specifically for baseball for sure um man it's something else it is and and I um Again, I, so I had friends at Clemson. Mm. So believe it or not, the guy I hit the home run off was a good friend of mine that I (laughs) I grew up with. Um, but so, yeah, so me, so I wasn't starting regularly at that Mm. point. And, um, you know, I like, even to that point, I think I barely even had a couple of bats. Mm. And so I did get the start at Carolina and had a good, had a good game, went like two for four with a double few Mm. RBIs um and it was intense i mean that was i mean i think that was the that was the game when there was the shove yeah, when roth shoved yeah. the kid you know and it got a little frisky you know and then then we get to clemson and then they're running their mouths about the bats and oh the cool bat and God. the warming bats oh and all the you know it's such bogus stuff yeah. um, tanner took
1: that a little personal
2: i, I like how he responded to yeah. that, all that and um you know we'll, we'll let you guys look that up yeah. but so so <laughs> so then I, and I did not play that game at Clemson. So I was sitting that game. And um, so I, so now come third round, uh, third game in, in Greenville. And I was also not starting. Um, and so Ray talks about it and he, and he, he had a knack for this kind of stuff, you know, like the, the, Car- uh, the coastal Carolina home run where he pretty much called it into play sure. where you know, he told Walker Bradley and Morales, Hey, Bradley, you need to walk morales get on so walker can hit yeah. the three-run bomb and, and he's done that many times <laughs> where he just happens. calls exactly. it exactly yeah. calls it into existence and um and so <laughs> he 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 talked about he had this feeling of like he knew this obviously is my hometown i had you know this is this could be a perfect scenario for someone to thrive right mm-hmm. like he he basically said this this is an opportunity that yeah this he could step up and really do something here mm-hmm. and so and it was kind of a funny scenario too. I'll just walk you through it real fast. Is it was this weird pickle between him and Leggett, mm-hmm. and they were there was this weird scenario. And basically, they told me they go, "You're about to hit, get ready." And so I'm like, "All right." Yeah. So I literally am like, "Getting, get ready to hit." And then they're like, "Wait, never mind. They're bringing in a righty, Roth's hitting. Never mind, sit back down." <laughs> And so he, we're like he, okay he and so they're him. doing this du- you know this duel with each yeah, other from across the field and like and and so then they're like wait no the lefty's in you're in you're hitting and so I'm and I had already sat back down at that right, point right. so I literally like you can kind of see it I'm walking up to the plate still putting my gloves on I take like one little baby practice swing and that was the only time I had <laughs> <laughs> like so it's just like no mind you're there like and so yeah. I mean, it was incredible, man. Like I, you know, was able to hit the biggest home run of my career for mm-hmm. sure. And it was not only that I was in front of my family and friends and yeah. high school friends and off my old buddy. And um, it, it did. And, and in the biggest rivalry in in, you know, in baseball. So I, and I became MVP of the series. It was a mm-hmm. big deal. It was, it was fantastic. And I think it, you know, it at, like you said, we whipped them in 10 in the series. So it, yeah. it kind of, Piggybacked off that and <laughs> that kept momentum. our momentum yeah. into the rest of the year, kind of going too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, Jake, we're gonna jump to the uh, the College World Series and the final specifically because I, I want to give you the floor and give you the chance to defend yourself a little bit. Because as we were talking off air, and of course <laughs> you you detail it in breaking the curse again, your film, and I mean, again, I man, I've talked to plenty of guys from the, from those teams, and they they all talk about your throwing arm because obviously you had probably one of, one of the biggest throws, I'd say. You know, in counter baseball history. I, mean, I was watching it earlier this morning and I was just like, that's the throw. I mean, if I had to think of the throw, I, I can't think of another one outside of that one. But everybody talks about your throwing arm and how it was just like this, this miracle. You know, I've had guys tell me they're like, yeah, as soon as the ball was hit to the left, I just, I just put my head in my hands. I was, I was like in the dugout, it's done, <laughs> game's over. And like you, you obviously, like I said, we were talking, you're like, I actually did have a pretty good arm, but people are, you know, Coach Holbrook even throwing you into the bus. Like, why does everybody give you so much shit for your throwing arm? Like, what's the deal with that? Now that's I love this question. Thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the opportunity.
2: Yeah, man. absolutely. I, I want to hear it. I'm, I'm curious. Um, let's start it off. Let's not forget I was an All American outfielder, yeah. right? Like you don't just get that, right? right. right? Okay, it's not just giving. A- another side right. note: In 2011, I was the only person on the team not to make an error that year. Me, not Jackie, not wow. blah blah blah. I didn't, I didn't even know that. I didn't Me. Even know that. <laughs> That, and that's off throwing errors from the outfield. If the other thing, okay. <laughs> Side note. Um, now, Jackie does throw 100 miles an hour from I mean, the there's outfield. A he's still, there's a reason
1: he's still doing it. <laughs> he's right? still doing it, right. and
2: he's doing it well. Yeah. And um, and Evan, he had a cannon. Yeah. Um, some of these other guys, they could throw. Um, now, I'll contend I didn't have the greatest arm. I didn't. I probably didn't have major league arm right. strength, right? But I could get the ball in. Right. When these guys are talking about, you can't make a play. You can't throw it 50 yards to save your grandmother. <laughs> Coach Pretty <laughs> sure that was proved otherwise. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, a lot of that's good fun. Like Ray talks about it like um, and he sometimes he'll say like, yeah, he didn't have the greatest arm. It was incredible. Or sometimes he'll be like, yeah, he had this fantastic arm. What are you guys talking about? Like we do this every day, like no big deal. Yeah. And for me, like an outfielder's job is just get the ball to the cutoff and get to the next guy. If you can do that, you're good enough. Right. I was I wouldn't have been playing in the outfield in the College World Series in that moment, in that moment, if I couldn't throw a ball 50 yards. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, there's maybe a little truth to it. Obviously,
1: I didn't have the greatest arm on the team,
2: but I do have the biggest throw
1: in school history. You can hang your head on that. And, and, and I'll ask even more in detail on that, man, because, again, it doesn't matter if you have the greatest arm or the worst arm. In that moment, that ball gets hit to you. I'm sure in your head it's like, oh, shit, here we go. Well, here's another it, side note, too, is um the way Florida scored their first
2: run that game was on a fly ball to me. Really? And it was a pretty tight play. We almost had him. I hit, I hit the cut hard right away. Perfect throw to the cutoff, man. And he maybe mm-hmm. didn't need to cut it. He did cut it. And he got it We The guy was safe by a foot, you know, Mm -hmm. two feet. Um, So again, like there was a good throw, (laughs) but no. So, I mean, I talk about the throw. It's kind of an insane thing. um, That baseball is this, you understand you played it. It's this strange game of life and universal stuff and weird things happen. And like higher powers, bro, like the the baseball gods are real. The baseball gods are real, man. They are as real as can be. And, um, you know, we got, we got Matt Barnes talking about how the baseball gods got him Mm. when he pitched, he was a Yukon pitcher in the, in the super regionals in 11, he struck out the side, the first inning comes in, running his mouth, yelling at our fans, knocking up against the dugout. And then we just destroy him. (laughs) (laughs) And I interviewed him and he's on camera talking about that, which is fun. Uh, But to the throw, man, I had one of those things, one of those baseball feelings, right. Of like intuition, God, whatever um tanner calls it heightened awareness which (laughs) i actually really like that term still um it's uh but but really i had it to where and this actually goes much deeper into my overall like personal story and how that follows um usc stories and what was really happening and what i was really going through at that time save those details till Mm -hmm. a little later but um i did man i i I straight up had this feeling of like a knowing of like this ball is about to come to you yeah and, um, again, I look over, there's Jackie. It ain't going to him. <laughs> he'll throw the guy out. Right. Like, you know, you got Evan. Who's <laughs> he'll, he'll be expected to at least literally exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you got Evan, he ended up in the trip, you know, triple right, a outfielder right. stud, oh, yeah, yeah. um, player. you know, g- great players. So I had this feeling of, again, like, Oh, man, this is coming to you. Right. You know? And I, my roommate was pitching Wingo had just made the plays before. I mean, a, a cool thing about me and Wingo is, like I said, I grew up with him, so I mm. and I'm normally played center field always growing mm. up. So I would, and he'd always normally play shortstop. So, uh, growing up, so I literally for a decade was behind Wingo watching him make these insane plays yeah. just over and over and over <laughs> again. So it was just like, I don't know, it was like this is like your turn now is what it felt mm. like. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like everyone's done their part now; it's your part, yeah. you know, kind of thing. The ball will find you, will literally. Find you. <laughs> <laughs> so. And it was meant to find me. Yeah. And, um, and it did, man. So I, you know, um, comes right to me. Zuni, yeah. Zunio hits it. Who's in the bigs now. Oh, yeah. um, and crushes one. And I, I love it. The announcers are on camera saying, they're a base hit away from winning this game. Their outfielders are too deep. What do they do? Not, uh, were we? I guess not. And um, and so yeah, make the play yeah. on a on a rope to Barry. He makes an incredible tag yeah. up the
1: line. Barry had a hell of. Have you have you ever been part of a crazier baseball game? You oh like? oh, no. I mean you look back at that game. Like you say, you talk about. Uh, heightened awareness and baseball gods and just higher powers in general. Like that was a night that it don't get crazier, man. I mean, I, I think it like the play that like epitomizes it, obviously you're a throw, but then also the, you know, the, the the Wingo play and Barry scoops it with a catcher's mitt and you go look at the replay and it's like that close to hitting the right. mask. Like exactly. people forget that. Like, it's just the details. It's man. Just meant to be. I, so, sometimes it's Truly just, meant to like you said, it's just meant to be like, it's just, it's incredible. And the meant to be-ness
2: culminates in so many incredible ways. So like, mm-hmm. yes, that throw was meant to be yes. Wingo's yes. But like it all ties all the way back to like Baylor Teal, Charlie yeah, Peters, yeah. the stories yeah. that were happening, like what this was meant breaking the curse, all these mm-hmm. things like to this full culmination yeah. of like meant to be story.
1: Yeah. You know? And again, you're, you're doing the film, breaking the curse, which obviously that's kind of why we're chatting kind of revolving around that. But I think dude, your, your story specifically you is so cool because it just goes to show like how one decision can change your entire life. Cause if you never leave Wofford and come to Carolina, I mean, it's just like, it's wild. And I'm sure, I'm sure you look back now and reflect and obviously you have the film, which is a great reflection, but I mean, you probably couldn't have pictured that decision going much better than it did. Right. I mean, I, I just, you know, I appreciate that perspective. Know. No, man, yeah.
2: that's exactly right. It was, and it, it kind of is like that. And yeah which is just like another little metaphor to baseball in life, I guess. Like one simple thing can change it all, you know, and change the whole course of everything. But that did happen for me. And so it was like, you know, I always felt like I was meant to be there at USC with my guys that I grew up with and and was able to get back there and at the perfect timing. So, Mm. yeah, it was, you know, like playing in those games, man, it truly unbelievable experiences, you know, like the, I remember Andy Demetra wrote up an article on it and Mm. they talk about the, like, it was like, I think they figured out the odds of it somehow. It was like three point two percent chance to win that game, you know? <laughs> like, and for the like for Zunino to make that air and like all yeah. these little like just none of that should have happened. And and that's not even mentioning all the bases loaded jams before that and all the crate. You know, I look just- back,
1: I'm like the amount of double plays we turned with like <laughs> bases loaded is just nuts. Like, it's unbelievable, man. The amount of jams we found our ways out of, but and hey. they
2: were as clean as can be up the middle. Oh, yeah. I mean, our infield is. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I mean, truly like balls didn't drop in the outfield. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So we made the plays when we needed to. I made the plays when I needed to and the throw. <laughs> and yeah. so F all the haters. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. But but that. it. I mean, it was a, it was an honor to be a part of those teams. And it, it was really like one of those things where you do. It's like an aha moment of like mm. everything that I went through was supposed to happen to get to this very
1: point. Yeah. and the breaking the curse film again man like you said you've always been someone that you're a storyteller in a bit you're you're a creator you're a creative that's kind of how i look at you and but you obviously had a story to tell but i'm curious just the overall inspiration for you know as we sit here literally talking on you know basically we'll say 10 years to the date you know you you won that national championship and you got those rings and created those memories i mean what i guess what sparked the inspiration to to really like you know a lot of people have ideas like that and that you you took action and obviously have made a fantastic film, which you can give the people some insight of when that'll drop or when they can, you know, obviously the trailer's out, Mm breakingthecursefilm.com. So you want to go there and check that out. But uh, just, were you sitting around one day like, you know what? I got a lot of valuable insight and content and everything else and perspective on this, this, the best time in kind of baseball history. Like what was the, I guess, the overall inspiration? What made you want to do it? So as you said, I've always been into storytelling um, and
2: that was sort of what I wanted to make. Uh, career profession if I could mm-hmm. right get paid to do what you love. That's the ultimate yeah. goal. Um so Jackie and the boys still playing. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> you we know? out here
1: casually leading MLB in hits. No big deal. Four years
2: in a row. Right, right, no whatever. Deal. Um you know and by the way we've got all those guys. I shot Jackie on the field at Fenway Park uh with really? Merrifield. Walker his- you got Walker too. Got Walker. We got what Walker in Reno when he was playing in a triple A game against Roth. Oh, wow. So we okay. had all three of us together okay. at one point talking <laughs> with Reno in Love our back. That. Love it. It was awesome, man. And then later it was great. Evan ended up playing with Walker on that triple okay, A yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is just bizarre. I mean, they were best yeah. friends in college. And so yeah, best yeah. friends now playing together. It's in AAA. Wild how that, how that happened. It's crazy. So, and the successes those guys have had is, I mean, and, and that's just another valuable note is that it's a complete rare thing for a team to. Uh, excuse me for a for a guy to make the majors from any team right. rare we've had 10 guys make the majors from, <laughs> from from 2010 to 12 teams yeah and it's just like, it's like it didn't happen by accident yeah it like, did not. so when there, there's all this talk of like and even ourselves call this average joes at times yeah. and like probably they look on at left field at me i'm not a first rounder so yeah. like on paper you know <laughs> yes some of these guys are better right. but no they weren't man yeah. and so so for me you know i was on these teams lived it walked it breathed it um but my experience at USC ended unfavorably yeah very unfavorably in fact and so you know which was the 2012 we almost won again as you guys know so it's a very strange thing of there's a whole lot of details into that but the way my experience ended at USC was very unfavorable so i always had a, a sort of bad taste left in my mouth mm-hmm. for lack of better terms And, um, I, what happened is I left, I left baseball pretty abruptly and then was just done with it. And so about five years went by and I had found myself road tripping across the country, living all over. I lived in Charlotte for a period as well. Um, and I I found myself, I I found myself wanting to get back into baseball a little bit. And I, um, was living in Humboldt County, Cali in Northern California. Wow and ended up coaching a high school JV baseball team, <laughs> right? <laughs> and had a great time with it. And then yeah. a couple buddies of mine um, were still playing ball. One of them, Alex Lee, uh, who's a still good friend of mine, was at Wofford player. He was playing ball in Australia. And I had a couple buddies still playing internationally. And I was like, hmm, you know, I could probably maybe do something like that. Yeah. And so I put myself out into an international league and f- ended up finding myself not only playing, but head coaching a professional Swedish team. <laughs> Love so that. they call me up two, two weeks before the season <clears throat> started and said, Hey, our coach just bailed on us. We need a coach and a player. Can you come out? <laughs> so I literally, and I had sort of fib that I had coaching experience. Right. I had JV high school. whatever. <clears throat> <laughs> So I call Ray and Billy Anderson and a few guys. I'm like, I need workouts. I need like, yeah. I have to coach a professional team now all of a sudden. And like, dude, so I went out to Sweden after having left, you know, Carolina five years later and, and ended up playing a whole season, had a great, great experience, put myself at every position, but second base and catcher, <laughs> Love <that. laughs> you know, just I literally even pitched out there. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, we played against the Swedish national team and mm-hmm. had some real cool times out there, but, um, then I, then I was like kind of back into baseball. Yeah. And so I had been sitting on, like I mentioned earlier, all this cell phone content yeah. of just really cool perspectives of what now stands as one of the greatest teams ever. Yeah. One of the greatest eras of In college, baseball history, yeah, In college baseball yeah. history In college baseball history, period. Arguably. So, I mean, there's a few other teams you could argue, but yeah, hard, to, hard to tout that yeah. one. Well, so, it did
1: something that no team will ever do again, man. Closed down Rosenblatt opened up. I mean, nobody can ever claim that. And some of these records
2: may never get broken even no, the season wins like 22 and, in yeah. a row I think. Yep. No, and no chance. The, uh, There's no chance. The wins in Omaha spans 3 years so yeah. it's some of these may never get broken again. No, yeah, I, so uh, no one had told the story yet, yeah. right? And so I was like, hmm, maybe I should tell the story. Hmm. And uh got home from uh Scandinavia and and actually while I was out there um uh, Andy Demetra wrote up an article on me. It was kind of like he had found out I was playing out there. Mm. So they wrote this really cool article. I was like kind of back in USC grant, like land and like whatever. And, um, so I approached Ray and called him up and said, Hey, I want to do this film. I, you know, I got this, is my idea, I want to mm. go get all this stuff. um, let's do it. And so they loved the idea. They knew. And by the way, what I found out was there was numerous people that tried to tell the story already. Mm-hmm. There was a couple different production companies, another individual I met um, that they just, whether it was the means, the relationships, the money to do so, they couldn't do it. Right. So it was always meant to be my story to tell. Right. Um, now it's come a super long way in a couple of years. And like I said, it's, it's been four years since the very first idea went out back to Ray. Right. And most of that time has just been spent trying to raise money to do any of it. And unfortunately, I was never, I never raised like 200 grand to just go do it all. (laughs) So it'd be, here's 20K, get you a couple interviews. Then I'm like in four months of trying to raise more money. Then it's like, here's a little more trying to, so it's just just like hard, hard, grueling process to try to tell this beautiful story. Um, but within that, I mean, I've learned so much, even, I mean, as a player on the team's things, I didn't even know, you know? And so, you know, we've really dove into the extent of what these championships meant, what it meant for the city, for the, you know, for the state, yeah. even, um, what it meant for Baylor Teal family, for Charlie Peters family. Um, have you ever heard the name Gamecock Larry? I have heard. Yeah. Calls in a 107.5 or did, I guess, you know, he still does. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He still does. And, um. There, he actually gave a little money to the film and, um, you know, he's been a diehard Gamecock fan since the forties, since Unreal. the forties. So and there's <laughs> so many stories of these guys and, and, you know, people that have we've heard that just meant so much to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I took it, so I was sort of placed this responsibility to tell the story of these teams of mm-hmm. what we accomplished, but also do justice to what Baylor Teal's family went through and yeah. Charlie Peters and to accurately uh, depict our story in a way that sort of satisfies everybody right mm. to still bring in um, you know the sexy wingo plays and the crazy <laughs> baseball wins but also like we're going to tug at your heartstrings right. too so yeah. we're trying to tell the full story and it's been quite a process <clears throat> um, I've got some really strong leads right now um, what we're doing right now though is we're, we're trying to make the full feature film mm. but we're what, what the newest idea is is we're trying to make a more localized series. Mm. Um, USC is trying to get their own uh, content uh, channel going, basically. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so, and I think they're pretty close to doing that. Wow. And, um, and there's schools already that have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Texas A&M is making full-blown documentaries right. and like, And actually our content's done well, like Mm -hmm. USC puts out fairly decent content. And they even won some Emmys for a Gamecock confidential series, you might remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually that's who I've been working with, Jonathan Hilliard on this project, a a, a good amount. He worked on that series. And so anyways, we, the the newest idea is outside of the documentary, we want to do like a more localized series that brings the best 20, 30, 40 minutes from our interviews shows these guys best plays because mm-hmm. now we've done almost 30 interviews with wow. from these every guy you want to see right mm-hmm. pretty much and and still plan to do a few more um so we'll, and but the problem is most of that won't make the feature film right so most of that will be cut so the idea is we want to bring for carolina people people that actually would care right. to see what these full interviews true are diehards. true diehards we're trying to bring a a more localized series that'll kind of take you much deeper in right. and tell even because you know so the idea for me taking on the story too is we shot a lot of it like this right, like right. it's a conversation almost mm-hmm. and because i was able to bring stuff out of these guys that no reporter could right and so and, and some of it's pretty x-rated might i say <laughs> <laughs> but no we got all the stories <laughs> uh, and so we're trying to do that too so um, I, I suspect hopefully sooner than later, we're going to have yeah. some real, real cool content for Carolina people. That's awesome. And man. they've been demanding. I mean, it's, you know, there and I another thing is I could have finished this time and time again, to be honest. But mm. I kept wanting to make it as professional and to do justice yeah. to the story and to not just make some chump little put together right. some crap documentary that last 30 minutes. And that's that. I've been really trying to do this proper and um, it, it will be worth it in the long run. And, and y'all will have some content soon enough.
1: Yeah. I was going to say you, you have like a target date or I feel like it's something you've been, I mean, you've been getting after for a while. As yeah. As, and like yeah. you said, it's, I think it's uh it's smart, man. It, you know, you, you only get one opportunity really to tell the story once sure. it's out, it's out. But I mean, is there, is there a, a timeline of, of when you want to get it out or.
2: Yeah. I mean, we were ideally wanting to have it out now. Um, right. for the 10 year reunion yeah. and all that, it didn't happen. Um, so much of that is logistics and dollars mm, right, and who right, has right. say-sos and whatever. So I'm, I'm just sitting on this golden pile of content, right. Just like amazing stuff. Um, so I I'd love to have like something like the series I was talking about mm-hmm. out this summer, Yeah, like actually out, but the problem is I'm not sure if Carolina, how, how, where that would go quite right, yet. Right. And the other thing is I've been in conversations with some big networks, ESPN, um, the producer of the last dance, bunch of other networks I've been talking to that are, that are interested in this story and want to do it. Um, It's just, there's so many logistical nightmares you have to deal with when going through with these networks. So to like, see it to screen, it has been just as difficult as actually making it, which was just, if not more difficult as actually winning the championship. Mm -hmm. So it's, so yeah, I, I can't say specifically when. Sooner than later, um, but it's but I I have the most momentum we've had yet, yeah. and something's gonna hit soon.
1: That's awesome, man. It, it's just crazy to think ten years. Like it's just wild, right? It's it's wild to think today is that day. Today's I know the everybody, day I everybody made remember, the throw. no yeah. one
2: believed I could. That's make. it. That's it. <laughs> everybody,
1: dude. Everybody knows where they were, man. And it's crazy. Like I, you know, I was telling y'all off air. Like I obviously cover of baseball, and I'm at every game, and it's just you know, people still talk about it. They still talk about those games and those teams and those players and those personalities and coach Tanner. And it's just, you know, it's, it's.
2: And we want to bring it back to life, man. And so, you know, Carolina has been through a hardship in a lot of ways over the last few years and everything from our latest debacle with our president, (laughs) God, (laughs) but having to let go of the football coach and like, you know, we didn't reach even the regionals last couple of years in baseball we did this year, but, um, we need like to be reminded again yeah. that the curse has been broken. Yeah. Like it's yeah. gone, people. Like we can still win. Basketball's proven it, you know. Curse, like God. Beamer needs to bring it for us, right? Like we we can do this thing. <laughs> bring man, it home, know? baby. But but it's it's true, man. Like they there we were complex. I, I found a funny video of um of uh, an actual newscast from the nineties. They had an actual witch doctor on campus to try to rid the chicken curse (laughs) some dude throwing feathers in a fire and doing chants and (laughs) God, I believe it. Honestly. So, you know, I think, I think Carolina athletics, you know, we've, we've still got some work to do, Mm. but um, let's not forget of, of our national presence and we've done it. We've been there and we've done it. Uh, You know, I think, I think people maybe need to ease a bit on Tanner. I don't think anyone know, at all what kind of plight that is or responsibility is it like is it
1: crazy i've asked other guys this too is it crazy for you like because i mean i still say this man like ray tanner i think he's a statue outside of founders park i mean you know because i I think of like, you know, I don't know why we love to have these like statue conversations sometimes on my, on my show, (laughs) but you know, obviously Asia Wilson got one, Asia Wilson got one with basketball, which well-deserved and George Rogers has one, but I'm like, man, like when you think baseball, like who would you, who would you put out there? I'm like, you got to put Tanner, man. He built it. I mean, he literally built it. Literally. I bet there'll be one once he leaves. Yeah. I think he's like still kind of in charge and he's he's so humble
2: that he's probably like, I'm not, can't put it. But I I was going to say
1: like, is it crazy for you though? Like seeing I guess the way I don't know how to even phrase it, man. Cause like I look at Tanner like always a legend, but you know, things have kind of changed a little bit with him as AD and like the way people right talk about it. it's just weird. It's like, it's weird. I'm sure it's like player, like what, what is, yeah, what are you talking about?
2: Like, it is. Yeah. A lot of that is true. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, there's, there's some instances like, let the fans go nuts like i'm with you like come on everybody's entitled yeah yeah. i'm just saying it's like it's like weird but there are but there are surely you know you see it on message boards you see it wherever pop up and you're like have you all forgotten like what this man has done like have you all like um and again like that job is ad i mean he talks again i've interviewed him twice for the film and and we have a close relationship now but i mean he talks about I mean, so much of that mm-hmm. and like, you know, how different it is to be AD as opposed to coach and how hard it is to sit there and watch now. And yeah. he can't, he has no say so. And he has to put the put the power into these coaches hands. And like, you know, it's, it's a very difficult job. So, mm-hmm. you know, anytime something goes wrong for people to just call for his head is, is just like people come on. All like right. this dude is a legend, was a legend for the championships and now and brought us our, you know, arguably our, our school's greatest championships right. um and so yeah i mean it's uh, that's why i said that because i think i think it's not appreciated enough what this man does and how much he cares for this university and, and the students and, and the athletes man mm-hmm. it's and so he had to adapt a little bit too because like, as we said he was such an old school hard not guy mm-hmm. so he he did bring a lot of that to ad but he had to change i mean he had to i mean Look at our football team. Right. And they used to have the three strike policy. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> your point. you could do what you wanted. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer is, mm. you know, but I do know that the, the, the scope of college athletics in whole is shifting and has been the last couple of years. Right, right. And so, it, it, I mean, he's talked about it too. It's going to be a whole different ball game, literally when players are starting to get paid. Mm. Oh, yeah. When you got a 2.0 getting, making more money than their coach, how's that gonna go yeah <laughs> you know so like i said earlier i think he's just an old school breed like mm-hmm. he's just they don't make him like him anymore yeah. they really don't like it's hard to come across that kind of guy that like can walk in any room there's just that respect demanded of him you you know who he is there's a presence um yeah. so yeah that's kind of my opinion on tanner he yeah, you know yeah, he sure. he, ble- he bleeds for this university yeah. and i think not enough people understand like what a task a challenge that that is mm. so yeah it's it's difficult
1: for sure well jake i'm gonna get you out of here i want to save some for the imagination because i'd love to get you back on we're once gonna be the, back baby uh, yeah once yeah. the series gets a little closer everything yeah. gets released everything again breaking the curse breaking the curse film.com is where you can check out some of the early works the trailer everything else i know we're all highly anticipating it because of i mean just again reliving those memories again we're talking 10 years the date and it's it, like i said it's hard to believe it's Hard to believe it's been ten years. Time flies by, I guess, when you're having fun. But I'll ask you before I get you out of here. Again, you know, I feel like asking, you know, to pick one favorite memory from then is like almost unfair. But um when you look back, maybe like an off the wall story or just kind of a fun did you know type of fact from that twenty eleven season, that twenty eleven team, maybe even there's that that series against Florida. I mean, or something that something that sticks out, you know, sticks out to you from from that time from winning that title, whether on field or off field at Carolina.
2: Yeah. Um uh,
1: that you can tell on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A I number know, of I know, stories. I, there, I know on I mind. know with that group there's plenty of stories that are that are better saved for the house. Yeah, I've talked know. about making a whole like x-rated
2: DVD <laughs> side note to like send to the teammates because there's some funny stories. Probably the probably the, the best teams in school history on the field and the hardest party of years off of it. Some of them at least. 100 percent man. Yeah. And so um <laughs> I mean, with that in mind there, I mean, we lived in the retreat. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a, you can probably find the story about me in the retreat, but the, there was one point I remember there was this, um, this is true. This is funny. So this is, uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with baseball, but it's a funny <laughs> story. So, um, we were, I lived with, uh, three guys, three baseball players next door to us was four. And mm-hmm. then across the street was three other. So it was like a family dynamic. We had all these family dinners together. Mm-hmm. we always together in the retreat so you know which is a college neighborhood right and um there we had we had heard when that there was going to be this big sorority party so mm-hmm. we were like okay whatever and so, but literally we lived on the where we lived in our backyard was the huge courthouse so you literally step out and it's this huge courthouse right. uh, like open wide open area right. and um <laughs> and so uh i remember we you know all we had to do was just step out and there's 400 kids in the backyard now right <laughs> one night and so we walk <laughs> We walk out and we knew the cops were coming. It was right. only a matter of time, right? It was right. just a massive gathering, right. hundreds of kids. Right. And um, so we all had kind of like our plan of like when that happened, like um, what we were going to do, how, you know, we did, we just had to walk back to our house. so mm-hmm. It was fine. Um, but, you know, I remember what happened was uh, all of a sudden, everyone, like you can hear the cops are coming and it was a line <laughs> of like 12, 12 cop cars come right. in and everyone, and I swear, this is what I remember hearing is, and, and so everyone's starting to scatter. And, um, we're, uh, I remember it was me and Walker. We were, we stuck together. So we are right, like, right, all right, right dude, right. we got to get back to the house somehow. And so we're right. like ducking around trees and corners. But before we really took off, I hear a cop on his loudspeaker saying, if you run, we will tase you. <laughs> and so, dude, literally, there's hundreds of kids going right, in right. every direction. I'm looking back, I see a five foot two girl get tackled into the trees. I see, I do see a guy get tased. People are God. dropping down, and we're just like running around, like, you know, we, we did, we snuck back to our house and we're fine, of course, but like, Dude, it was just this completely wild, like it was a hilarious. Night, Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. big deal. We will tase you, and they just, did. Just another, just another <laughs> night of the retreat. You Gotta love that. We're but um, you know another Walker man. Like I remember one weekend, he went like thirteen for fourteen. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's three difficult. home run. Yeah. You know, you're know, you like, this is the best hitter any of us have ever seen. Right. Just like, um, you know, there's there's so many stories like that. Like I said, for me, we had this tightness, like mm-hmm. we had this real, real tightness mm-hmm. that. I came from a group at Riverside High where we had that similar tightness, um, but I had never been on a team that there was such a brotherhood and such a chemistry and like. and I was a complete black sheep on that team, Mm -hmm. like very much doing my own thing. I was the only male athlete in the entire journalism school. Really? Wow. (laughs) When I was there, like, like, so I was always kind of like doing my own thing and this and that, but we, but still was a leader on that team. And it was like, we. Mm We all had our play and our part, like knew how we could lean and rely on each other. I think that was maybe one thing that just sticks to mind is like the chemistry of those groups, man. And it's just like something that you never would find again. And each of them says the same and how it was just this, just this seriously incredible group. And again, Tanner allowed that to happen. You know, these coaches allowed that to happen. You got to wait till you see some of these bus ride (laughs) videos I have.
1: (laughs) That's the Just best memories, man. madness. That's the best memories of the bus rides, oh, honestly. Man, That's where, like, the real memories are made.
2: And so, you know, we – so, that I mean, that was it, man. These teams are special, you know, as we said. Could be yeah. arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah. And so it's an honor, one, to have been on those teams, but now to retell the stories and to come, you know, be with yeah, you absolutely. on this podcast and – uh it's it's awesome what you're doing man and like how you're you're keeping the you know the name for USC up and <laughs> <laughs> desperately we need that so yeah yeah no, it's I mean, cool you the following you built up and like yeah, I appreciate yeah, it yeah you, and like I mean I thing, I man.
1: I love Carolina baseball man and I I was you know <clears throat> pursuing my own baseball journey at that point but right. watching from afar and watching you guys and again I, I'll, I'll we'll put a pin in it with that man as I know I can speak for all the Gamecock nation when I say obviously watching you and your teammates and obviously your throw and I mean well let's do it, this us it's, it's wild how you're again how your impact making a decision and like your impact is still felt, you know what I mean? Like just, just because of just playing the game well, you love man. to play, man. So appreciate I that. appreciate you taking the time. And obviously we're looking forward to the breaking the curse film. Again, breaking the curse com. Check you. it out on the website. We're all, anxiously anticipating again like i said man 10 years of the date it's, it's it's crazy how time flies but right, thanks for hey, having me
2: man thank you gamecock people yeah, it's gonna gamecock be a special Nation. film and um yeah it's yeah. an honor to be here man
1: absolutely jake appreciate it again he's jake it. williams i'm chris philts appreciate you guys tuning in we'll catch you next time on the episode of the spurs up show